the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Clark Hilton is engineering today's program. James Blind is producing. Today, of course, is Fun Friday. We've coined the phrase. However, we thought it would be important to begin today's program with an update on a number of important stories, and then we'll make the shift to more um, the lighter side of the news. We'll put it that way. So bear with us as we try to bring you up to date, but we will um, eventually move on to other things. I wanted to begin by pointing out today is the day in 1974 when President Ford pardoned former President Nixon. Just a point of history. Uh, All of that said, the House uh, today gave final approval to a $15 billion Hurricane Harvey relief bill. It included a short-term suspension of the debt ceiling, funding to keep the government running for the next three months, and a bit of pork besides. The package passed 316 to 90, with all opposing votes coming from the Republicans, although not all Republicans opposed it. Congress moved with uncharacteristic speed on the bill to avert several looming crises, the prospect of not only triggering a government shutdown, but uh, hitting the debt limit as the federal government burns through cash it needs to respond to both Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, uh, which is barreling into Florida. Now, more on that in a few moments. The $15.25 billion approved Friday represents an initial payment as Texas recovers from its devastating storm and residents across the southeast. They brace for the impact of uh, Hurricane Irma, a storm sure to require billions more from the federal government. The president did sign that piece of legislation earlier today. Again, the $15 billion Hurricane Harvey relief bill that includes a short-term suspension of the debt ceiling uh, and funding to keep the government running for the next three months. Well, most of us, while we've got uh, our attention focused a bit on what's happening in Florida, are still following the Eagle Creek Fire that's having the most devastating impact here in our area. The Eagle Creek Fire saw little growth on Thursday, and that's good news, and it's now 7% contained as of this morning. The fire forced hundreds of evacuations, closed miles of Interstate 84 at least through the weekend. It's burned 33,328 acres and is still going. Again, it's only 7%. Contained. Uh, Senator Ron Wyden was in the state. He met with fire officials. He spoke at a news conference this morning. This is Oregon at its best, he said, praising fire officials. We are going to stay at it until we finish the job. Of course, he's not strapping on anything and, you know, cutting down trees, but you get the general idea. The senator said he helped secure funding for the Eagle Creek fire, uh, firefight rather, in uh, Washington, but stressed that more money to pay for wildfire prevention is needed. It's clear that the fire has hit our state like a wrecking ball, he went on to say. The fire is the top wildfire priority in the country right now. That's according to fire officials. One third of all um, uh, acres burned in the West are in Oregon. Uh, as of Friday morning, four houses have been destroyed by the fire. People lived year round in one of those houses. The other three were part time residences. But uh, again, these were homes that people 
at least a part-time lived in and at least one full-time. Conditions on Thursday, rather, were better than expected. Gusts didn't pick up. There was some rain that fell in the area. That's all good news. The weather has uh, moderated greatly. The smoke has lifted, uh, and that has helped uh, Forest Service firefighters uh, to see where they need to work uh, effectively. With the improved weather over the past few days, the more than 9,000 emergency personnel fighting the fire, they focused on containment. Fire lines were established near Cascade Locks, Bridal Vale, and the Bridge of the Gods. I always hate calling it that, but that's the name. Well, the most recent evacuation order was uh, issued uh, Tuesday afternoon in addition to the evacuations in Multnomah County, Hood River County. Um, they've closed all forest land for recreational use. Evacuation orders remained uh, in place Friday morning, and the Red Cross said 225 people who evacuated their homes were staying in two temporary shelters at Mount Hood Community College in Gresham and the Skamania County Fairgrounds in Stevenson, Washington. Well, at least 32 people died in an historically massive earthquake that struck the southern coast of Mexico early Friday, toppling hotels and houses and prompting tsunami waves and power outages. Well, the United States Geological Survey said that the magnitude 8.1 earthquake hit about 73 miles off uh, Trepicos, Mexico, along Mexico's southern coast. In uh, Its epicenter was 102 miles west of uh, the southern uh, state of Chiapas, had a depth of about 21 miles. The quake was so powerful, it sent people fleeing from buildings 650 miles away from in Mexico City. The president, uh, Enrique Peña Nato, he said the earthquake is the biggest the country has seen in a century. He said that the that 62 aftershocks followed the quake and it's uh, possible one of a, uh, as strong as 7.2 could hit in the next 24 hours. So please pray for uh, Mexico. Chiapas Governor Manuel Velasco says uh, uh, on television that at least three people have been killed in that region. Ten died in uh, another area close to the quake's epicenter. He said the quake damaged hospitals and schools. Two children also died in Tabasco State. One of them was killed when a wall collapsed, and the other uh, was a baby who died in a children's hospital that lost electricity, cutting off the infant's ventilator. Well, the Pacific Tsunami Warming, uh, Warning Center rather early on Friday confirmed tsunami waves in Mexico with the largest wave so far measuring 2.3 feet. So it wasn't a devastating tsunami, and we're grateful for that. Well, Floridians clogged highways in a desperate scramble to get out of Hurricane Irma's crosshairs as the deadly Category 4 storm took direct aim at the southern United States, shifting westward Friday as a worst-case scenario because uh, uh, became rather the most likely situation. Irma downgraded from Category 5 was still regarded as the most powerful in the Atlantic in recorded history, bringing sustained winds of 150 miles per hour, not as strong as 185 of previous days, but forceful enough to cause uh, severe damage to homes and other structures. This is a storm of absolutely historic uh, destructive potential. That's a quote from the president in a videotaped statement. Hurricane Irma continues to be a threat that is going to devastate the United States in either Florida or some of the southeastern states. The FEMA administrator Brock Long said in a news briefing today, he warned that parts of Florida would be out of electricity for days, if not longer, and that more than 100,000 people may need shelter. Florida Governor Rick, uh, Rick Scott said during a Friday news conference, the Florida Keys would begin to feel Irma's effects by Saturday morning. He said Irma, on its uh, current path, was more deadly than Hurricane Andrew, a Category 5 storm that killed 65 in August of 1992. Uh, he uh, emphasized the seriousness of getting to a safe location and that the clock was ticking at, cer- at a certain point 
You can no longer call 911 and expect an answer. You will not be rescued for days, 48 to uh, uh, 72 hours. Uh, You must evacuate if at all possible. And he emphasized that. Um, uh, rather dramatically. Meanwhile, there are traffic jams and it's become a nightmare as Floridians are attempting to uh, flee before uh, Irma hits as uh, it draws closer to South Florida. Tens of thousands of drivers headed northward to flee the storm, causing a traffic nightmare that continued into the uh, the evening. There was no gas and it's gridlock. People are are stranded on the sides of the highway, says one Florida resident who left her home from uh, near Cocoa Beach about 10 a.m. with her husband and two children. Speaking to the Associated Press, it's 92 degrees. Uh, And uh, little kids are out uh, on the grass on the side of the road. No one can help them. As of 3 p.m. on Wednesday, traffic doubled and even tripled on major roadways and interstates, according to the Florida Department of Transportation. The shortage of gas, coupled with a lack of hotel rooms and sold-out flights, created a traffic disaster as more than a half million people were ordered to leave South Florida on Thursday. And this could create one of the largest mass evacuations in U.S. history, as uh, hundreds of thousands of people are fleeing at the uh, behest of the governor and others who have said you cannot remain in this area. Meanwhile, as the Category 4 uh, Hurricane Irma commands most of the media's attention this week, two other hurricanes, Jose and Katia, they've been gathering strength as they threaten landfall. Irma's been slamming the Caribbean islands, was projected to reach Florida over the weekend, but Hurricane Jose has officially been classified a, cla- a Category 4 storm, and Hurricane Katia has been uh, set to slam into Mexico early Saturday. Three storms in this um, trifecta. The center previously said uh, Jose was had sustained wind speeds of 60 miles an hour, but uh, recently became a little stronger. The winds have reached 150 miles per hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I promise we'll switch to the lighter side of the news, but wanted to bring you up to date on the latest. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back 21 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. What will follow will be a random series of true stories of the weird and unusual on The Georgine Rice Show. Well, a man spent $225,000 in plastic surgery in order to look like William Shakespeare. I don't know about you, but do you know what William Shakespeare looked like? I mean, what did he look like? How would you know that what you're spending that $225,000 on is actually accomplishing your goal? Well, he's a Shakespeare super fan. He underwent extreme plastic surgery to look just like the poet playwright. The sad thing is nobody knows just what the poet playwright looked like. Well, this 34-year-old Chinese writer, Zhang Yiyi, he spent um, the equivalent of $225,000. Oh, I'm sorry, $225,000. Yeah, that's right. $1,000 on 10 different plastic surgery operations. Those operations, according to The Mirror, included eye reconstruction, eyelid surgery, nose surgery, and a face tuck. How do you tuck your face? Well, a man found 75. uh, Well, anyway, that's the story. Chinese guy wants to look like William Shakespeare. Nobody knows what William Shakespeare looks like, but he spent $225,000 accomplishing that goal. I mean, who's going to tell you you don't look like him? Nobody. You have to tell them this is what he looked like. So I guess mission accomplished. Meanwhile, a man found 75 pounds of cash on a highway and promptly returned it. Now, this is the 21st century. That's headline news. Dan Kennedy, he's a Utah area man. He discovered a four-foot-tall and two-foot-wide bag of cash on Interstate 80. It had fallen off a moving truck. The bag was filled with many smaller bags, which Mr. Kennedy estimated contained upwards of 22000 in each, in each of the bags. 
After failed attempts at tracking down the armored truck, he called the police. Never in all my years have I heard of a bag of money bouncing out of the back of an armored truck, said the trooper. That's something that happens in the spy movies. Now, he could have taken the money, taken it home, and spent at least 225000 of it, having his face reconstructed to look like Shakespeare. But no, he returned the money, as a good Samaritan should. Bright pink chickens. They were roaming about here in the uh, streets of Portland. I should say on the streets of Portland. A Portland local spotted two chickens dyed pink, bright pink, by the way, by Portland's waterfront park on Thursday after Multnomah County uh, Sheriff Services came to collect the chicken. I guess people called 911 because there are bright pink chickens roaming about. The owner came forward to claim them and explain that he soaked them in beet juice for color. I wanted to make people smile, he said. His name is Whitman, by the way. And yes, Bruce Whitman is from the Portland area. I thought it would be fun for people when they uh, get up and have a cup of coffee to be able to smile when they wake up. So he dyed his chickens pink. I know I smiled when I read this story, but that may not have been what he had in mind. A pot-bellied pig wound up inside a Burger King, and no one knows quite how it got there. AP reported that troopers from the Somerset Barracks were called to a Burger King on Thursday morning in southwestern Pennsylvania after complaints were filed that a pot-bellied pig had wandered into the restaurant. An employee of that restaurant took the, uh, rather told the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, I definitely don't uh, want to hear another pig joke. Apparently they were flying as a consequence of the pig patron. Alliteration always works. Well, a German hair salon is stretching the boundaries of who or what can be a masseuse. The Hair Mode team, and that's H-A-A-R, it's in Germany, in Dresden, is now offering neck massages performed by Monty, the owner's pet python. Monty Python sits around the customer's neck and gently pulsates in a manner that is probably soothing If you're not snake phobic like Indiana Jones, although a python, I don't know, tends to kill its prey by wrapping around it and then squeezing it to death, that shouldn't trouble you. Monty's owner, Falk Doler, he says that the python masseuse has been trained to be slightly more gentle. He'd have to be a lot more than slightly more gentle for me to have somebody wrap the thing around my neck. The four-foot snake is 90% muscle, making him well-suited to the task, according to UPI.com. Still, it's no stretch to say customers uh, are slightly apprehensive about the massage. In the beginning, says one of them, I was a little bit afraid, (laughs) only a little. Uh, I thought the snake would be cold, but I should say, no, it is warm, and it is very pleasant feeling when it pulsates, when it massages the neck. You just hope that it remembers its home training and doesn't squeeze, you know, just a little too hard. Well, hair mode team customer Nadine Necht uh, posed with the uh, snake wrapped around her neck, and she has sort of a, well, a frightened smile on her face. Terry Phillips, the curator of Reptile Gardens in Rapid City, South Dakota, doubts that the snake has been trained to give massages. This is carnival kind of stuff, he said. The snake is just doing what it's natural to do. It's not a real massage. I don't think anybody thought it was a real massage. But anyway, he says a snake of that size would be unable to suffocate a human, so it doesn't have the size for it. Uh, It sounds scary, but that snake is uh, uh, no wider than a golf ball, he said. Well, Monty's massage costs about $38, but good luck getting an appointment. He only works two days a week and is booked weeks in advance. So there you have it. You know, it's pretty sad when in the 21st century you can't tell the difference between an accident and a work of art. But that is precisely the case. When an accident uh, caused, causing no serious injuries did cause a lot of curious tourists to rush to the scene in order to observe and appreciate what they believed was 
artwork. Well, investigators are looking into what caused a construction crane being operated on um, uh, the Dallas Museum of Art to topple over and crush part of the museum. Now, this is a very large, in fact, it has on one side of the vehicle, it has uh, four tires and uh, it extends several feet uh, from either end of the vehicle beyond the, the tires. And I believe uh, the four tires are double on, on both sides. So it's very big and it was holding a very large crane. So when it tipped over, the front of the vehicle tipped up. So you have a crane that is crushed part of the museum and is standing on, um, it's really not on any of the wheels. It's sort of on the back of the vehicle and the rest of it is uh, at an angle in the air. According to CBS News, spectators who visited in the aftermath assumed that it was a special art display. In no time, the site had drawn a slew of curious tourists hankering to experience this next level installation up close. When is art art? That's the question. Well, it isn't when there's been a serious uh, accident with no serious injuries, but crushing the actual museum that housed presumably real art. An amputee found his leg in a dumpster with his name tag on it, and he sued. Now, my first question is, why was he going through the dumpster? That's just a question. The South Florida man sued Doctors Hospital in Coral Gables for the emotional distress caused by finding his leg in a dumpster with his name tag on it. Rather than properly disposing of the plaintiff's limb, as expected and as required by Florida law, Doctors Hospital threw the plaintiff's amputated limb into a garb into the garbage with the tags indicating it belonged to the plaintiff, stated the lawsuit filed on Wednesday. Again, I'd love to sit in on that trial to find out how it was discovered, but that's another matter altogether. Also, a dog riding a tractor has caused bumper-to-bumper highway traffic. Just another day in Scotland, apparently. Uh, the Traffic Scotland later wrote of the incident... Route is clear from earlier incident and dog is fine. Has to be the weirdest thing we have ever reported. No delays in the area. Uh, The dog sitting on the tractor just driving down the street. Here's another one. A man was arrested after liking his own arrest warrants on Facebook. Probably a bad idea. According to the Great Falls Tribune, the Montana man was arrested last Friday when he liked Cascade County Crime Stoppers mug shots on their Facebook page. He removed the like shortly thereafter, but the damage had already been done. He was arrested, as he should have been. Well, in Alabama, a bomb squad responded to a smiley-faced egg filled with candy. Kind of a sad commentary on the age, isn't it? It was abandoned, and so they didn't know what it was. The Birmingham, Alabama bomb squad rushed to the Alabama Media Group headquarters on Tuesday after someone had reported a suspicious package sitting on the doorstep. The package, an egg with a smiley face on it, caused the entire building to evacuate, but ended up containing only candy. Police speculated that the package was connected to a Black Lives Matter protest that had occurred earlier that day. Not sure how that fits, but we'll just take their word for it. There is now a Jennifer Lawrence portrait made up of 9,658 peanuts. Question springs to mind, why? You have Ripley's Believe It or Not to thank for this one. The, Floridia, uh, the Florida-based artist Matteo Blanco was commissioned to build Oscar-winning actress J-Law using 10,000 peanuts. The portrait measures 78 inches in height, 55 inches in uh, width. He tells b- the um, Barcroft Media she's from Kentucky and peanuts are a delicious food to enjoy while watching a baseball game there. So that explains it all. Why would you make a sculpture made out of peanuts of the Florida actor um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, because she's from Kentucky and peanuts taste good. Why didn't I think of that? That 
explains it perfectly. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Zero Res. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 35 minutes after 4 o'clock is the time you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, China's People's Daily Online reports that a farmer who goes by Mr. Li, that's L-I, in China's Yunnan province, successfully harvested a 33-pound, four-foot-long turnip. Li told People's Daily that he grew the vegetable without the assistance of any fertilizers. It just took a lot of love. That's a pretty big turnip, 33 pounds, four feet long. I don't like turnips, but uh, that's quite a feat. A semi-truck accidentally dumped 14 million bees on a freeway. State Patrol tells the Seattle Times that a truck driver lost control of his vehicle while exiting I-405 in Lynchwood, Washington. Or rather, Linwood, Washington. The impact sent 458 hives containing 14 million bees flying off into the roadway. Everybody's been stung, said the sergeant. This is a first. How many Seattle police officers does it take to rescue a shirtless protester from a basketball hoop? Well, the answer, if you want to know, is 13. May Day, Seattle's annual day of peaceful rallies for immigrant rights, quickly turned into mayhem on Friday as police lashed out at anti-capitalist marchers. There was paper, or rather pepper spray, projectiles fired by police, and 16 people arrested in total, according to the Times. Meanwhile, a shirtless man was raising some havoc of his own over at Cal Anderson's basketball courts. With a hammer in hand, the man managed to climb atop a basketball hoop and get stuck in the net prompting the police department to call in the fire department for backup as he flailed around upside down. How many police officers did it take to stand guard as the shirtless man flailed upside down from the basketball hoop with a hammer? Well, as I mentioned, 13. According to uh, my Fox, two firefighters were uh, finally able to release the man by climbing up and cutting the net. The Seattle Police Department tweeted later that night that they were still considering what the man's charge should be. He may be arrested for property destruction or at least goaltending, they wrote, and a bit of uh, humor. Well, you have Puxatani Phil that determines when spring is going to come. And in Maine, you have Passy Pete. Passy Pete is a lobster, and he predicts six more weeks of summer. Now, the group of mariners, um, or rather Mainers, say that Passy Pete the lobster has predicted six more weeks of summer at an annual ceremony. The crustacean has been fished out of the, let's see, Passasakwaki. River for the past three years in a tradition modeling af- modeled rather after famed groundhog Puxatawney Phil's winter prediction in in Pennsylvania. David Cabriel and his business partner David Brassbridge thought up the eccentric ceremony as a way to have some fun. Each year, a group of barons flank Passy Pete as he picks a, a scroll to determine whether Maine will see an extended summer or be greeted by winter. Of course, there is fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, this year's ceremony took place on Monday. Actually, it was Monday the 4th, to be more precise. And apparently there's going to be six more weeks of summer, according to the crustacean. Um, and by the way, they wear uh, tuxedo shirts, bow ties, and top hats for the uh, occasion. Not the crustacean, but the uh, revelers. A Michigan pig named Giggles is running for mayor. His opponent vows to feast off of him at his victory party, perhaps the most unkosher political feud we've seen in years. In the city of Flint, Michigan, where it's not unusual for convicted murderers to run for city council, area defense attorney Michael Ewig, he believes a pig would be a more dis- dignified and distinguished candidate for mayor. Enter Giggles. 
the Detroit area pig who, thanks to uh, Ewing and his Facebook page, will be running or sauntering in the upcoming mayoral race. Uh, Ewing wrote on Giggle's Facebook page that while he considers himself a pretty forgiving person, he just couldn't fathom an ex-convict uh, convict rather, with such a contentious history with the community holding down a leadership position. I think electing a mayor who was convicted of murder sends a bad message about our city, not to mention the embarrassing letters he has written about Flint. Well, the defense attorney goes on to say that another mayoral candidate is in the running, was recently convicted of driving his car while drunk on the highway with three flat tires while driving the wrong direction on the highway, he adds. He continues, so yes, I am running Giggles the pig for mayor of Flint. I hope that uh, you will vote for her as a mayoral, oh, excuse me, her rather than he, as a mayoral uh, candidate who has uh, never murdered a human. She has never placed citizens in harm by drinking uh, while driving on the highway and has never interrupted public business and uh, public meetings. She is a sweet and intelligent animal, which is more than we can say for some candidates, he went on to say. You know, these days, I think a lot of people and, well, things um, are emboldened that they can, in fact, win an election. This is an unlikely season for people to be elected. The best and brightest. Giggles. A Benedict Cumberbatch um, made entirely out of chocolate and appropriately titled Choco Batch, now exists. Okay. To mark the launch of a new drama channel on the uh, network there in the UK somewhere, uh, the network enlisted the help of some chocolate gurus to create a life-size sculpture of the Sherlock actor. Now, he's fairly tall, thin, so it would take a lot of chocolate. The sculpture is six feet tall, weighs in at 88 pounds, and is made of 500 melted-down Belgian chocolate bars, which contains 33% cocoa. Only the finest of chocolates for Benedict. The crew is aiming to have the Choco Batch displayed in Westfield, Stratford City for the public um, before Easter arrives because uh, in the UK, chocolate bunnies simply won't cut it this Easter. I have a feeling some women are coming to take a look at him and decide he's delicious in more ways than one, the chocolate sculptor said, who explains at one, of, at one point um, that sculpting Cumberbatch's exceptionally thin face was no easy task. Uh, all worth it in the end, however, and the uh, chocolate sculpture can be seen online. Just simply Google Choco Batch. The things people do, a life-sized chocolate sculpture of Benedict Cumberbatch. We could do one of me if you'd like. It would take a little less chocolate. You're not yeah. quite as tall, but you're, as, you're thin, so you might be able to pull that off. A little less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want milk or dark? I'm a milk chocolate okay. kind of person. A, a fake, if we want to do both of us, you could be the milk and I could be the dark. So that might work out. <laughs> a fake architect named Newman has been sentenced to two and a third to seven years in state prison for posing as an architect in eastern New York. So this <laughs> is a crime George could have been prosecuted. George Costanza. Paul Newman uh, also was ordered Tuesday in Saratoga County Court to pay more than $115,000 to his victims in Albany, uh, Saratoga and another county I'm not going to pronounce. Well, Newman pleaded guilty in June to grand larceny and fraud after an investigation by New York's attorney general dubbed Operation Vandalay Industry. 
if you recall from they the all, Seinfeld. They went all out on the Seinfeld Operation <laughs> Vandalay Industries. Attorney General Eric Schneiderman's office said uh, Newman had rendered fraudulent architectural services since 2010. Victims included municipalities and businesses. Apparently, they didn't check his credentials. Schneiderman dubbed the operation to nab Newman Vandalay Industries in reference to a long-running joke on Seinfeld about a fictional company by that name. A character named uh, Newman was Jerry's uh, nemesis on the sitcom, but of course it was um, George who uh, pretended to be an architect, or at least... Yeah, and Vandalay Industries was the corporation by Kramer. Yeah. And you want to be my latex salesman. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, let's see. A, a young British girl swimming at a lake in the United Kingdom believed to hold the legendary King Arthur's famous sword uh, happened upon a shiny sword herself. Matilda, uh, Matilda Jones, rather, was swimming with family in, um, let's see, Dosemary Pool while on vacation last Tuesday when she discovered a shiny sword beneath the water, the Sheffield Star reported. It was a blistering hot day, and Matilda want, uh, wanted to know if she could uh, go for a paddle, as they call it there. She wanted to go for a paddle. Uh, she was only waist deep when she had, uh, when she said, rather, that she uh, could see a sword. Well, her father told his daughter the shiny metal underwater was uh, probably just debris. I told her not to be silly, and it was probably a bit uh, uh, a bit of fencing or something. But when I looked down, I realized it was, in fact, a sword. It was just there laying flat on the bottom of the lake. Well, Paul, again, the father, said the sword is four feet long, which he said is exactly Matilda's height. He uh, also believes the sword is just a film prop. And uh, can't be more than 20 to 30 years old. Legend says that King Arthur uh, received Excalibur from the Lady of the Lake in uh, Dosemary Pool and later brought it back when he was dying. That had to be pretty thrilling, though, for the girl. I mean, she's uh, seven years old and she finds a little sword that's about her size. Now, this is kind of puzzling to me. A California teenager charged with smuggling a Bengal tiger into the United States told a judge on Thursday that he bought the animal on the streets of Tijuana, Mexico, where several of the endangered animals had been spotted this year. And he smuggled it into the United States. How is that possible? Um, The young person has been charged after a border official said they found the furry cub early Wednesday lying on the floor of a car heading from Mexico to California. Valencia, a U.S. citizen who lives in Paris, California, told the court that he had purchased the tiger for $300 from someone he met in Uh, in the Mexican border city, who is walking a full-size tiger on a leash. The cub was found during an inspection at San Diego's uh, border crossing, U.S. Customs and Border Protection said. Valencia failed to declare the tiger cub to authorities, which would not have helped his case. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service officials took custody of the cub and were working with the San Diego Zoo to care for it. In January, Mexican authorities seized a Bengal tiger in Tijuana after a resident called police to report a man was walking a tiger on a dog leash through the neighborhood. Officials said the four-month-old tiger had been living in a private home with children. In April, Mexican officials seized a nine-month-old Bengal tiger in Tijuana after the cub fell from a third-floor terrace onto a neighbor's patio, the San Diego Union-Tribune reported. Despite the fall, the tiger appeared to be in good health. Bengal tigers are native to India, with smaller populations in Bangladesh, Nepal, Bhutan, China, and Myanmar. According to the World Wildlife Fund, there are about 2,500 Bengal tigers left in the world. Mexican uh, circuses have been trying to get rid of exotic animals after a law went into effect in 2015 prohibiting such acts. And drug lords in Mexico have uh, also been known to keep big cats as pets. 
All species of tigers are protected under the U.S. Endangered Species Act. And this one that was recovered in the United States, or at least attempting to make the trip into the United States, will thus be protected. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 51 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the, the fun Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. We were mentioning a young man attempting to smuggle a tiger, a baby tiger, into the U.S. uh, from Mexico. But in Georgia, police shot and killed a Bengal tiger on Wednesday after it escaped from a truck and wandered along a major interstate near Atlanta. Of course, the whole thing frightened residents of the nearby subdivision. Feld Entertainment spokesman Stephen Payne said that Susie, the six-year-old Bengal tiger, um, had once performed in the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, somehow got loose when the truck hauling 14 big cats stopped south of Atlanta on its way to Florida, to te- uh, from Florida rather, to Tennessee. We stopped in Georgia to feed and water the cats and for a quick rest break for the driver. And that's where he, we believe the animal escaped and was later confronted by law enforcement. Well, Susie was headed back to its European owner, animal handler Alexander Lacey, after the circus this year ended its 146-year run. They've been raised around people their entire lives, so they're comfortable around people, he says. Motorists spotted the tiger early on Wednesday along Interstate 74 in Stockbridge, southeast of Atlanta. According to uh, local police, the interstate was jammed with traffic as people um, uh, flee Hurricane Irma that could hit Florida or the Gulf states. The cat ended up in a subdivision where it began chasing a dog, police said. The tiger jumped on the dog, a dash hound. Named Journey, its owner um, told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the dog survived the attack and is okay. The cat was shot after it became aggressive toward pets in the area, the Georgia Department of Natural Resources said in a statement uh, late Wednesday. Payne said he didn't know how the tiger managed to get free midway through the trip to Tennessee, didn't have uh, many details of its encounter with police. The driver didn't realize one of the animals had gotten loose during the night until the uh, the truck arrived in Tennessee. But early Wednesday morning, neither police nor anyone else in the neighborhood knew where the cat had come from or how it ended up in the metropolitan area of Atlanta uh, after seeing news reports about the tiger hours after it was killed. Feld Entertainment employees reached out to the authorities there and explained what had happened. The remaining 13 cats were to be transported to Germany. Uh, They'll be joining uh, another circus there, apparently. In September, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus ended its storied uh, history for a final show in Nassau County Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. The performance was Lacey's last big cat act with the Florida-based circus. Its parent company, Feld Entertainment, decided to end the circus billed as the greatest show on earth after years of pressure by animal rights activists who objected to having animals travel around the nation and perform. The circus removed elephants from the shows in 2016. When it closed for good, the circus cited uh, high operating costs, declining attendance, as fewer fans came to shows with no elephants. Speaking of animals in captivity, seven live sharks and three dead sharks have been seized from a pool in the basement of a home in New York's Hudson Valley. The State Department of Environmental uh, Conservation said on Wednesday, officers searched a home in the Dutchess County hamlet of uh, Legangville last month. They found a 15-foot diameter above-ground basement pool with seven live sandbar sharks, two dead leopard sharks, and one dead hammerhead. Officials say all the sharks were two to four feet long. Marine wildlife experts told uh, took rather blood samples and measured and tagged the sharks before transferring them to the Long Island Aquarium in a truck equipped with water tanks, oxygen, and climate control. No one's been charged. An investigation is 
continuing, not clear if it's unlawful under uh, these conditions to have those kinds of creatures just swimming around in your basement. (laughs) Well, the girl says she and her friends are behind the red balloon found uh, tied to sewer grates in a small Pennsylvania town, not a homicidal clown, which was suspected. 17-year-old Peyton Reef tells the uh, local news the girls were trying to scare their friends after seeing a trailer of the upcoming movie, It. The red balloon is the calling card of uh, Pennywise, the sewer-dwelling, child-eating clown in Stephen King's novel-turned-movie. Uh, Reef says the teens were surprised at how much attention the prank got after the local police made a playful post on Facebook saying they were completely terrified to remove the balloons. Reef says they will meet with the department for a funny follow up, but says uh, they're not being punished. Well, of course, she's referring to the movie that's coming out. You may have seen some of the trailers for it. Uh, it's, it's coming out this weekend. Uh, it's called It. It's one of the most anticipated movies of the year for horror fans. I am not one of them. The big screen adaptation of the Stephen King epic novel uh, is getting strong reviews, strong uh, ticket sales, and it looks pretty scary. And apparently red balloons uh, figure prominently into the uh, the storyline. And apparently she freaked out. She and her friends freaked out a lot of their neighbors <laughs> uh, seeing these red balloons suddenly Uh, suddenly pop up. There's a new phenomenon that Groupon has created. It's the world's first portable lawn. And while many of us would never uh, be seen dead chillaxing on a personal human-shaped patch of grass, we were apparently wrong as the portable lawn was quickly snapped up and is now officially sold out. The aptly named Lawnsy, Lawnsy, was was only five pounds a pop designed to allow uh, Brits to take green space with them wherever they went. And it's uh, quite literally a patch of fake grass in the shape of a body that allows you to, well, pitch up and sunbathe anywhere, as the Brits would put it. While you may get a few stares, uh, we reckon it's also a great way to clear, uh, clearly mark out your personal territory or space. Uh, no more random sitting around next to you, uh, next, sitting around when... Uh, Uh, There's a bench nearby and people coming too close and so on. While you can no longer buy Lonzi, there's still a way you can uh, get your hands on one as Groupon. uh, They've opened a prize drawer for the the last few remaining lawns, these Lonzi products. And again, it's just uh, cut out in the shape of a human body. You would lay it on the cement or on the grass or on the floor, and then you would lay on it. So you, you know, could get a little sun or chillax or whatever you wanted to do, but... Apparently, it was um, sold out as quickly as it was posted. I guess if you don't live anywhere where there's lawn. Phoenix? <laughs> I, I don't know. It just seems like a silly idea to me. A hermit crab on a remote Pacific island is going viral after curing its homelessness by using a discarded doll head as a shell. I don't know which came first, the movie that used that uh, that image or the actual hermit crab that did it. A photo shared on Reddit shows a coconut crab, a large species of hermit crab, wearing a doll's head in the place of its shell. Commenters said the unsettling photo, believed to have been uh, snapped on Henderson Island in the uh, Pitcairn Islands, highlights the effects of marine litter on wildlife. Well, I mean, the guy was homeless, got a doll's head. The photo drew several inevitable comparisons to Babyface, that's the mutant toy composed of a doll's head atop a metal uh, crab's body from the Disney movie Toy Story. I don't know if you remember that, but it it eerily did uh, resemble that. So I I wonder which came first, the uh, Disney movie or the, uh, the crab with the doll's 
head as its uh, its new home. Well, a small Oregon City, uh, a small town in Oregon City, well, Oregon City is a small town, is asking the state for advice on how to handle a flock of wild turkeys that are ruining gardens, leaving droppings just about everywhere. Well, officials in Pilot Rock, Oregon, a city of 1,500 people, about 230 miles east of here, say there are dozens of turkeys roaming the area. The East Oregonian reported uh, City Councilor Bob Dano complained he has 15 birds frequenting a tree in his on his property. Resident Marianne Lowe, she told a city council meeting on Tuesday that she once counted 68 turkeys in her mother's yard. I love wildlife, she says, but this is getting to the point where it's just ridiculous. They uh, dust bath in the soil. They eat whatever is there. Well, city officials considered several options, including a spay and neuter program, but they decided to ask the state for advice. Greg Rimbach, a wildlife biologist in the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, had six recommendations ranging from a ban on feeding the birds to killing them and donating the meat to a food bank. The whole community will need to work together on any effort they choose. No matter what we do, we're never going to get rid of all of them. We've always had turkeys. And we're not even talking about government officials. (laughs) We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour, but we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Six minutes after four... That's five o'clock. Five. You've already done the four o'clock. We're clear into five o'clock. We're so past four. It's now five oh seven, and we're glad to have you with us. Clark Hilton, by the way, is engineering the program. How you doing, Clark? We uh, haven't really talked much today. Yeah, pretty good. It's been a busy day. Do you need more information? No, I was just thinking, um, I, I did mention earlier that your daughter had come to visit us. I haven't heard yes. her on the show today. I would encourage uh, encourage you to oh. share some of her Sure. Little recordings with our listeners. When she came in, was that this week or was that last week? Last week. It was last week. Yeah. When she came in, she did a little recording and That's she's right. such a sweet little thing. She started um, school for the first time. Preschool, this, uh, yeah. Preschool. Montessori school. Yeah. And uh, so far it sounds like it's going pretty well, though I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. And she's not sharing a whole lot with us. Oh. I mean, she's having fun, but... You know, it's a little more structured, it sounds like, than daycare yeah. was. Um, but she won't tell me. She says she forgot what they do in <laughs> circle time or what they do during job time, which I guess is little tasks that they get to choose to do. And then, anyway, I've been to her classroom. I was there uh, a week day. ago. No, I, I visited the classroom. Oh, that's I, right. I wanted to see what this is all about. Yeah. Meet the teachers and... Uh, it's a nice little classroom. There's all sorts of little stations where they're doing things. I just don't know what that is, and my wife yeah. can't get much out of her either. So, Well, maybe when she's more comfortable and, and is used to the structure, she'll be able yeah. to tell you more about it. Anyway, be sure to add her in today's yes, program. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Guinness ma'am. Book of World Records. There's some new additions, and I thought I'd share a couple of them uh, with you. I'm not really sure why we need a Guinness and why people do some of the peculiar things they do in order to be named there, perhaps because people like me point them out, but a long-tailed cat who could, you know, care less, an octogenarian bodybuilder, and a five-inch long eyelash are included in the latest editions of the Guinness World Records. The 2018 version uh, of the Chronicle of Extraordinary Feats and Features was released on Thursday. The honorees include a cat from Ferndale, Michigan, named um, Cygnus, Uh, that boasts a tail that stretches more than 17 inches. That's pretty long. It set the world record for longest tail on a domestic cat. A Chinese woman has set a record for the world's longest eyelash at five inches. Ooh, that's bizarre. Yeah, that is. Five inches. 
An 83-year-old great-grandfather from Los Angeles has been named the world's oldest bodybuilder. Uh, This is the (laughs) 63rd edition of the Guinness Book. Have you ever purchased the Guinness Book? Uh, When I was a kid, a neighbor got a copy of it for me for Christmas. It's not the most enthralling reading. No, I mean, it's something you maybe pick up, open at random, look at something and close again for another week or month or year. A few years, actually. Yeah, Yeah, because every year there's a new one and whatever you see in the edition you have now is irrelevant in the future. Yeah, presumably. Who who jumped over 30 cars on a tricycle? I need to find that. (laughs) Google it. A hotel in Belgium offers lonely customers the opportunity to rent a goldfish to keep them company during their stay. There's nothing more warm and cozy and friendly than a goldfish, apparently. Radio producer Michelle Cook shared a photo of a goldfish in a bowl alongside a sign offering rentals at $3.50 euros per night. My friend is staying in a hotel in Belgium. They've offered her the option of renting a fish for the night in case she's lonely. Cook wrote, the hotel um, near the airport in Brussels has offered the fish rental service to guests for several years. We started a few years ago, they said. The idea was to surprise our guests, as we always try to do. That certainly is surprising. It's brilliant to see how people react to it. They smile. They take pictures to put on social media. We rent a few fish per week. Well, Dylan said he and his brother initially came up with the idea to keep guests entertained during check-in, but they became so popular, he decided to expand the service. I was having a, a beverage with my cousin, and we saw some people waiting in, to check in. Uh, the queue was quite long, so I decided to go out and buy some fish, he said. Some people have criticized the policy for being unfair to the fish, but Dylan assured the fish are well cared for. And they're given pellets every yeah, day. Yeah, they get some food. Yeah. Massage therapy. And a little fellowship. I mean, they're, they have the opportunity to meet new people, go new places, you know, different room every night. An Illinois woman shared video of her dog displaying an unusual behavior, rescuing earthworms from the hot road. The video recorded um, uh, amid (laughs) sunny weather in East uh, St. Louis uh, shows Holiday, the Border Collie German Shepherd mix, gently picking up earthworms from the hot asphalt with his uh, with her mouth and placing them on the grass. Um, on walks, she will run around the neighborhood and look for stray earthworms and bugs to save, Holiday, uh, the owner said, Holiday's owner. Uh, she will spot the worms far in advance and run over as fast as she can to save them. Sometimes she even tries to save the dried dead ones, not being able to tell the difference. Well, the owner had a theory as to how Holiday learned to save the worms. Uh, she has never taught this behavior, but um, when she was a puppy, my mom would take the earthworms from the road and throw them on the grass, the woman wrote. The only way I can think that Holiday learned this behavior is from watching my mom when uh, we would come home for the weekends. Holiday has been doing this for about a year and a half now. So a earthworm-saving dog. And you have to be pretty gentle to pick up yeah. the things in a dog's mouth. I suppose it uses the lips, the snout, not the teeth, but... Very unusual, and the, the image was pretty interesting to see as well. And then there are rogue animals who are up to no good. A British cafe's infamous shoplifting seagull appears to have returned after being caught on camera pilfering a bag of potato chips. I mean, you never can eat just one. A video recorded on Saturday by a shocked customer at Greg's in South Shields, England, shows the confident bird waddling over to the store's basket of potato chips, grabbing a bag of snacks, and dashing out through the automatic doors. I was grabbing some uh, breakfast in Greg's restaurant in South Shields when I saw the bird was looking in, 
checking the coast was clear. That's when I started filming. As soon as the bird got what he wanted, he ran for the exit. The bird clearly knew what he was doing. The filmer wrote. Well, the bird indeed appears to have experience with the crime. A seagull was recorded by another customer at the same store in June of 2016, pulling off an identical heist. Now, my question is, how does the bird get into the bag to enjoy the chips? It may have taken him from 2016, June of 2016, to the present to figure that out. And he won't show up again until Hmm. uh, summer of 2018, having finally opened and consumed the contents of the recently pilfered bag. Now, there's not much to this story. In fact, I found it when it was a uh, uh, correction. But I thought the headline was so interesting. Kale eating contest. A kale eating. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to me. No. Well, the story was originally published in Hamburg, New York, in August of uh, this year about a Georgia man who won a New York County Fair's kale eating contest. The Associated Press erroneously reported the town where the winner lives. Uh, so they rewrote the story with the, uh, the new and correct location. Um, Georgia uh, repeated the kale eating championship and this guy apparently won it two years in a row when it comes to chowing down on kale a georgia man is once again the top dog beating back a challenge from hot dog eating champ joey chestnut who apparently got in on the um on the whole affair um the winner og gulped down 22 and a half 16 ounce bowls of the leafy green vegetable in eight minutes during sunday's kale yay competition <laughs> At Erie County Fair in New York, the kale was served raw with oil and vinegar. The contest is billed as the world's healthiest eating competition, although I imagine eating that much kale will have uh, impact all its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chestnut of San Jose, California, consumed 20 kale servings. He is the reigning hot dog eating champion at the Nathan's Famous in uh, New York Boy, City. Boy, that's an odd mix. So he likes to scarf down hot dogs and then... Wash it down kale. with some kale. OG is Nigerian. He now lives in Morrow, Georgia. He took the inaugural kale eating title last year, consuming 25 and a half servings. He was down three servings this time at 22 and a half. Sunday's event was an unlikely partnership between the Independent Health Foundation and Major League Eating. Wow. The kale eating contest. Not for me. No. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. <laughs> Isn't she cute? <laughs> 21 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Although she said it way cuter than I ever could. <laughs> than okay. any of us could. Yeah. A Canadian woman who lost her engagement ring 13 years ago while weeding her garden on the family's farm is wearing it proudly again after her daughter-in-law pulled it from the ground of a misshapen carrot. Now imagine the shape of a carrot. The ring somehow uh, ended up in the middle of a very long, fat carrot, and the carrot is distorted by the ring because obviously it can't expand where the ring is located, but it's fat on one end and fat on the other. It's as if you had it on your finger and it was swollen, and you can kind of get the picture. Mary Grams, 84, said that she can't believe the lucky carrot actually grew through and around the diamond ring she had long given up hope of finding. Uh, Graham says uh, she never told her husband, Norman, that she lost the ring, but told her son her husband died five years ago. I feel relieved and happy inside, she said this week. It grew into the carrot. I still can't figure it out. Her daughter-in-law, Colleen, she found the ring while harvesting carrots for uh, supper with the 
with her dog Billy on the farm near Armina, Alberta, where Grams used to live. The farm has been in the family for 105 years. Daly said while she was pulling the carrots and noticed one of them looked strange, she almost fed it to her dog, but decided to keep it and just threw it in her pail. When she was washing the carrots, she noticed the ring and spoke to her husband, Graham's son, about what she had found. They quickly called Graham's. Um, I said we found the ring in the garden. She couldn't believe it, Daly said. It was so weird that the carrot grew perfectly through the ring. Well, Graham said uh, she was eager to try the ring on again after so many years. And with family looking on, she washed the ring with a little soap to get rid of the dirt, slid it onto her finger as easily as she had when her husband had first given it to her. Uh, we were giggling and laughing, she says. It fit after so many years. What a happy story and a strange, um, strange find. And here's another one. A New Jersey woman who lost her 1.1 carat diamond engagement ring on a trip to Italy was reunited with that piece of jewelry during a return trip some nine years later. Margaret Musel of Brick said she and her husband, Justin, were visiting with her family in San Marco, Italy, nine years ago when she noticed her ring was gone. I felt terrible and I knew I should have probably taken it off because um, I was a little bigger which I don't get, but I just um, felt really bad and I could have prevented it from falling off and I kept it on that day and so on and so forth. Well, earlier that day, we had visited Pompeii and it was extremely hot, uh, says her husband, now husband. My wife's ring was loose, but she didn't realize it was gone until later. She took a nap and woke up and realized she didn't have it on. Well, the couple replaced the ring after returning home and the lost item became a distinct, uh, distant re- memory, rather, until they made another trip to Italy two weeks ago. And again, this is nine years later and two weeks ago. I kept saying to Margaret, do you see that? I see this glimmer coming out of the sidewalk. I thought he was crazy, Margaret says. I was like, she wasn't that, but she was like that. Uh, There's no way the ring is in there. I couldn't believe it. I thought it, he was playing a joke. Well, Justin used a screwdriver to retrieve the object and was shocked to find it was, in fact, that long-lost ring, having been lost nine years ago. I thought maybe it was a coin or something, but never in my wildest dreams, he says, did I think I would ever actually find the ring again nine years later. Well, Margaret said the ring is back on her finger where it belongs. She said she plans to hold on to the replacement to pass down to her children. That's pretty cool. It's a nice story, yeah. I lost the diamond in my uh, wedding ring, and I never found it. Uh. I've been married 35 years. So now I'm thinking any day now this thing's going to pop up. I don't know where it's going to be. A mouse is going to show up and it's going to have it on its ear or something. I, I fully expect now that I'll recover that uh, that stuff. I lost my wedding band uh, oh. on our on the day of our first anniversary Oh, on a beach somewhere. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, I lost my first the diamond that was original to the ring. I lost it somewhere in the kitchen, I think, uh, but I noticed it in the kitchen. I could have lost it anywhere. I uh, was in the kitchen of the apartment we lived in at the time, and I it got caught on the dish rag, mm. and I I was just hysterical because it yeah. was you know it was my wedding ring the stone, and then I replaced it. Well, Dan Rice replaced it. Then I was grocery <laughs> shopping. I was pushing a cart. And my stone kind of stands up. It's a kind of a plain band, and then the stone stands up. I just have one stone, so it's you know if it's gone, there's nothing there. And I got my finger on one side of the shopping cart. The stone somehow got between two of the little metal rails, and when I pulled my hand forward, the, oh. the stone popped out and flew across the grocery store. Oh no! Yeah, it's a sad story. But anyway, I'm after these two stories. I fully expect. 
I'm going to go to Safeway and look down, and all of a sudden, there's going to be a glimmer. Some janitor had a really good day. <laughs> yeah, sad, sad thing. Anyway, a distressed uh, homeowner in California called police after mistaking a wayward owl in her home for a burglar. Now, that's not to say that the owl wasn't there to burgle, but he wasn't the typical burglar. We'll put it that way. We heard about that pigeon who stole the chips. You never know. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department shared photos of the owl invader after receiving a frantic call from a woman who said she and her three sisters had locked themselves in an upstairs bed, uh, upstairs bedroom after hearing noises coming from downstairs. They were not going downstairs to investigate. She needed law enforcement. Well, the caller told the dispatcher she believes someone was moving furniture and other items downstairs, according to the sheriff's department. The dispatcher placed a possible burglary in process call and deputies quickly responded to the location. Can I just stop for a moment and say, aren't you grateful for first responders? They're locked up in the bedroom and these guys, they don't know what's in the house. They don't know who's in the house or what's going on. They arrive uh, to, to take care of things. Anyway, deputies searched the exterior of the home, found no signs of forced entry. They then asked the homeowner to come and unlock the front door when they heard shouting from inside the house. It's an owl, they heard the homeowner shouting. <laughs> the deputies entered the home and quickly tossed a blanket over the owl and released it outside unharmed. Pretty uneventful. Deputies deal with numerous types of different calls while on their shifts, and this was a hoot, they said. Anyway, waiting to work that in. I wonder how it got in into the house and what it was doing. Through an open door, perhaps, well, or an open window. Yeah, and and what it was doing that made it sound like furniture was being moved. I, I wonder. I think they needed to check the refrigerator to make sure everything was uh, in place. We talked about the uh, masseuse, the snake that in Germany a salon is using to offer uh, people to put around their neck to get something of a massage. Well, a wildlife. Removal expert discovered a large venomous rattlesnake underneath a home in Louisiana recently. Uh, Gulf Coast Wildlife Removal shared photos of the nearly six-foot-long crane brake rattlesnake that was found living under a homeowner's deck in New Orleans. By far the biggest venomous snake we've encountered near the city, the wildlife removal company said. Please keep a close eye out in these last few hot months of summer. Now, this is this story is in Louisiana, so we don't need to worry about that here, <laughs> at least not as far as I know. Ryan Cook of Gulf Coast Wildlife Removal told the local media that he marveled at the size of the thing, noting that anything over five feet with a rattle on it is considered a monster. This one was five feet, eight inches long and has 13 rattles on it, so it's been around a good long time. Cook added that he received reports of rattlesnakes in the area near the site of an old six Flags Amusement Park. He says he's been hearing a lot more of, uh, about rattlesnake activity in New Orleans East Area. He believe especially around the Six Flags area because it's so overgrown. No one's really doing anything to knock the numbers down, so you're starting to see more and more of these guys showing up in residential neighborhoods as well. Well, the wildlife removal expert encouraged residents to keep their yards and homes clear of debris and other clutter that rattlesnakes can use to form a shelter. Now, this one was under a deck, so I don't know what you do about that, but too many snakes uh, slithering around these days. Yeah. It's kind of a scary thing. Lots of stories on this show about snakes. Well, because I read dozens of them, and I only share a few at a time. 30 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. (laughs) She's so cute. 35 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, loneliness is a common problem, and a black swan in Bavaria is no longer alone after finding a mate thanks to a Lonely Hearts ad. 
The German news agency DPA, they reported Thursday that the female swan had been living on her own on a lake near Castle Rosenau since her partner died last year. Believe uh, that he was killed by a fox. Concerned by the bird's solitude, Bavarian officials published a Lonely Hearts ad and got lucky. A swan breeder from nearby Ingolstadt offered a match. Christoph Schleffenheimen of Russo Castle told DPA the birds' first days together have been harmonious. The new swan is uh, only a year old, so its uh, gender couldn't be determined. Oh, that's interesting fact. So Mr. Schleffenheimen, however, said that the widowed swan didn't seem to care, adding uh, both swans are happily swimming on the lake. Just a little friendship can go a very long way. Well, a bed and breakfast in Scotland fitted a group of uh, chickens with high visibility vests to help them cross the local road. However, they did not get a clear answer on why the chickens wanted to cross said road. Well, the Glen Shiling House shared video on Friday of a pair of chickens wearing the bright pink vests as they strolled across the rainy street. Uh, the owner of the uh, uh, Perthshire Bed and Breakfast uh, says that she had 14 hens and a few have a tendency to wander off the property. They normally stay in the garden, but a couple of them like to go for a wee wander down a path and sometimes across the road. I just thought it would be uh, uh, a little bit of fun uh, to make sure that they could uh, be seen and return home safely. Well, they hope the vests will help drivers spot the chicken and encourage them to slow down and perhaps smile a bit. She also printed the phrase... Uh, Glenn Shiling House Girl on the vest to advertise her business and let people know where to return the chickens if they stray too far. But again, sadly, they did not uh, come up with a definitive answer as to why the chickens crossed that road. Well, a wildlife charity in Singapore shared a video of an orphaned flamingo chick um, taking a walk in a pair of specially made blue suede shoes. Okay, maybe they weren't suede, but they were blue. Wildlife um, Reserve Singapore posted a video uh, to Facebook showing Squish, the two-month-old greater flamingo chick, uh, taking a walk in the blue booties uh, caretakers made for him so that he wouldn't hurt his feet on the hard surfaces. Well, the group said Squish was abandoned as an egg and has been raised on a special formula that resembles flamingo milk for just about two months. Squish loves flaunting those shiny blue shoes. So they must not be suede if they're shiny. This adorable ball of gray has been the subject of much love and pampering, they say. Human carers even custom-made Squish a fancy pair of shoes for his daily exercise. And again, Squish proudly wears those shoes when walking. Meanwhile, a 10-foot python was rescued from a ledge outside the 19th floor of a Chinese skyscraper in a delicate rescue that, well, was caught on camera. The video filmed last Sunday shows the gold snake slithering precariously on the ledge outside the window of the 19th floor of the residential skyscraper in Kunming, Yunnan province in southwestern China. The footage shows several men using a rope to pull the massive snake back in through the window. Now, why they'd want to do that, I couldn't tell you. But witnesses said the snake was being cared for by a building resident and slithered out through an open window when it was left unattended. Police sent the python to a wildlife rescue center as pythons are a protected species in that country and should not have been there in the first place. There we go with snakes again. Yeah, but if you think that's bad, this is even worse. A man who woke up with a severe pain in his ear went to a hospital where doctors removed a live gecko that had crawled inside. (laughs) A video recorded uh, at a hospital in Guangzhou, Guangdong province, shows doctors um, showing off the still-living gecko after it was removed from the patient's ear. 
Doctors said the man came into the hospital complaining of a severe pain in his ear that began when he woke up. The doctor said they looked inside the man's ear and discovered a live gecko had climbed in and crawled into the ear canal while he was sleeping. And got stuck. I think I'll stay awake tonight. The gecko was um, calmed with an anesthetic and doctors used pliers to pull the lizard out from the man's ear in a five-minute procedure. (laughs) I think I'm going to sleep with earplugs, not to worry about sound, but make sure nothing crawls in there. Like those earwigs. You remember those little earwigs that have the... Do they actually ever go in anyone's ear? I don't think so. I don't think not, so, but I... Not on purpose. I was afraid my whole childhood that one of those things was going to get in my ear. <laughs> Never did. But at least I know I could go to China and have the thing removed if I needed to. A driver, I would hope that the doctors here could do it and <laughs> well, save maybe. you some money. But if they couldn't, I know I could go to Guangzhou. <laughs> so. A driver was forced to gun his engine and jump a drawbridge that began raise, rising rather as he crossed it with his family. Now, this is the nightmare I've had that one of the bridges in Portland is raised and somehow I missed it and I and I keep driving. This is a recurring dream that I've had since I was a child. This guy is forced wow. to gun his engine just like in my dream to jump the draw, the uh, drawbridge. Well, this West uh, Deptford You look Township, close to the steel bridge, don't you? We can worry about that or the Broadway. Well, they're just bridges everywhere. It's Portland yeah. city of bridges. He'd pay the toll to cross the middle um, bridge with three family members in his vehicle on the 1st of August. The bridges link Cape May and Wildwoods near the Jersey Shore. As he was crossing the steel grate, it began to rise three to six feet because a vessel was trying to cross, according to police. My wife said, I think the bridge is opening. Well, Terrence, the driver, uh, told local media he accelerated and, of course, then he landed with a big impact on the concrete on the other side, thankfully. Police said the landing caused minor damage to his vehicle. No one was hurt, thankfully. Authorities said the operator of the bridge was to blame for the scare. An employee of the Cape May County Bridge Commission stated that a vessel was approaching the bridge and they had no contact with that vessel due to their radio being down. Police Said in their report, the bridge tender told police he activated the bridge's lights and gates in anticipation that all vehicles would be clear. However, he wasn't sure because of sun glare. Um, the driver said he would never cross that bridge again. Unless he comes to it. <laughs> I, just, I knew that was coming. I, <laughs> well, the New York State uh, Court System's longtime communications chief was fired on Thursday after inadvertently telling a reporter that he barely went to work at his $166,000 a year job. David Bookstaver's firing came a day after the New York Post reported he unwittingly dialed a reporter's voicemail, which captured him conversing with someone else and acknowledging that he was sloughing off at the office. I'm not doing anything. I barely show up to work, he said in a, in a part of a recording the newspaper posted online. The 58-year-old had been planning to retire in October from his communications director job. Instead, he was terminated Chief Court spokesman Lucian Calfin said, and while there are occasional abuses of of, uh, office, we take those abuses extremely seriously. And whenever we learn about them, we will always act to hold the offenders accountable, he said. He said it was uh, too early to determine whether any disciplinary action could follow. Bookstaver uh, declined to comment. He's already said enough. He had been uh, with the court since 1996 after working as a spokesman for the New York City Emergency Medical Service. Uh, He spoke just a little bit too much this time around. And in uh, the wake of the eclipse of 2017, there's this. A health professional in California reported cases where eclipse viewers sought medical treatment because they put sunscreen on their eyeballs 
to view the solar eclipse. I heard that, and it's true. That actually yeah. happened. These individuals applied the scun- sunscreen rather because they did not have the NASA-approved eyewear. One of my colleagues at Moonlight uh, here stated yesterday that they had patients presenting at the clinic that put sunscreen on their eyeballs and presented that they were having pain and they were referred to an ophthalmologist. A nurse at Prestige Urgent Care in Redding, California said, well, the sun always uh, reported that doctors in Virginia had reported patients complaining of applying sunscreen to their eyes as well. And the nurse said that it only takes seconds of staring directly at the sun to cause lasting damage to the retina. Sunscreen will not prevent that damage. Wow. But they'll never have red eyes again. (laughs) Yeah, really. Uh, This is our our final story of the segment. uh, And as we head into the football season, uh, this is a sad, sad headline. America is heading for a chicken wing shortage. And I repeat, America is heading for a chicken wing shortage. Football fans and tailgaters across America are going to have to find another food to snack on this fall as we're currently experiencing a chicken wing crisis. It couldn't be worse timing with football season just ramping up. But according to the Wall Street Journal, and they're always right, whole wing prices have jumped from $1.50 to $2.09 a pound. Who knew? So what does this mean? <laughs> Places such as Buffalo Wild Wings and Wingstop are being forced to switch to other options like boneless chicken wings to cut back on discounts and specials, meaning you'll be paying full price for those beloved wings. Now, I don't know why the price uh, rise translates into a chicken wing shortage, but as far as I'm concerned, the only part of a chicken worth eating is the chicken wing. It's sad that they only have two of them. Um, but a chicken wing shortage heading into football season. Uh, this ranks right up there with other disasters that um, one might. Hurricane like. Irma, Hurricane Harvey, chicken, chicken wing, wing shortage. shortage. Yeah. 46 minutes after 5 o'clock, we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Now, I wanted to end the program by recapping some of the top news stories we opened the program with, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I also want to uh, give you a glimpse of some of the things to expect next week on the program as well. On Monday, of course, it is 9-11, and we're going to reflect back a bit on 9-11-2001. Also, we expect that Hurricane Irma will have, we hope, come and gone in the Florida area. We'll try to bring you up to date and keep you up to date on what happened. Uh, We're also going to talk with Benjamin Weicker. He's the author of The Reformation, 500 Years Later, 12 Things You Need to Know. Uh, On Tuesday, we're going to uh, share the best of the Georgine Rice Show. We might, in fact, run Eric Metaxas. We're not entirely sure. I've been called away on a special project. On Wednesday, Kevin Lehman, uh, Dr. Lehman, will be my guest. The book is uh, titled Education a la Carte, Choosing the Best Schooling Option for Your Child. How do you determine what's in your child's best interest? And uh, he has written a book to help parents think through the implications of this option or that. And then uh, uh, we will, of course, on Friday, lighten things up and look forward to uh, to that as well. Well, as you know, there are lots of uh, big news stories that are developing. We did learn today that the House did, in fact, pass the final approval of the Harvey Relief uh, debt ceiling package. And it was the Senate version, the $15 billion hurricane uh, relief package bill that included that uh, the lifting of the debt ceiling. It was a three Uh, 16 to 90 vote with all opposing voting coming from Republicans, although not all Republicans opposed uh, the bill. We also learned that the president signed that $15 billion Harvey relief debt ceiling package earlier today. 
Most of us have been paying a lot of attention to what's happening in various places in our state. And for those of us who live in the Portland metro area, the Eagle Creek Fire uh, we were happy to learn saw very little growth to, on Thursday was 7% contained as of Friday morning. The fire um, uh, forced hundreds of evacuations, closed miles of Interstate 84, at least through the weekend. It's burned about 33,328 acres. Now, of course, as I mentioned, it's only 7% contained, so it's not out. And the wind shifted away from Portland. We've enjoyed a, a brief respite. Uh, from the smoke and ash, but we understand that the winds are changing and we may see more of that over the weekend. Senator Ron Wyden met with fire officials, spoke at a news conference uh, this morning saying this is Oregon at its best, referring to those uh, who are working to uh, preserve our beautiful uh, landscape. We are going to stay at it until we finish the job. End quote. Well, the senator said he helped secure funding for the Eagle Creek firefight in Washington, D.C., but stressed that more money to pay for a wildlife wildfire prevention rather is needed. It's clear that fire has hit our state uh, like a wrecking ball. And that certainly uh, is the case. We also learned earlier today that a powerful earthquake hit Mexico's coast and there were tsunami waves that resulted. Uh, the uh, death toll is 32 people uh, in this historically massive earthquake. Uh, that struck the southern coast of uh, Mexico early today, early on Friday, uh, toppling hotels and houses, prompting tsunami waves and powerful um, uh, winds, as well as power outages. The United States Geological Survey said that a mega, uh, a magnitude 8.1 quake hit about 73 miles uh, along uh, Mexico's southern border. Its epicenter was 102 miles west in the southern uh, Chiapas, a Chiapas state, and has had a depth of about 21 miles. The quake was so powerful, it sent people fleeing from buildings 650 miles away in Mexico City. So that gives you some indication. And again, we're talking about an 8.1 uh, on the Richter scale. As I mentioned, there were tsunami waves confirmed in Mexico following uh, the earthquake uh, on the southern coast. The Pacific Tsunami Warning Center said waves of 3.3 feet above the tide level were measured at Santa Cruz. Smaller tsunami waves were observed on the coast or measured by ocean gauges in several other places. So while the waves were not massive, it was uh, characterized as a tsunami. Well, Floridians uh, clogged highways in a desperate scramble to get out of Hurricane Irma's crosshairs as that deadly Category 4 storm took direct uh, route, direct aim at the southern United States, shifting westward today as the worst case scenario became the most likely situation. Irma downgraded from Category 5, thankfully, was still regarded as the most powerful in the Atlantic in recorded history, bringing sustained winds of 150 miles per hour, uh, not as strong as 185 miles per hour from previous days, but forceful enough to cause severe damage to homes and other structures in its path. Uh, this is a storm, uh, absolutely historic destructive potential, President Trump said in a videotaped statement. Uh, breaking now, the uh, the uh, hurricane uh, was uh, has weakened, um, but uh, again, 155 mile per hour winds continue. Florida Governor Rick Scott said during Friday's news conference, and he's held several of them leading up to what he describes as a catastrophic event approaching 
uh, his state uh, in a news conference said that the Florida Keys would begin to feel Irma's effects by Saturday morning. He said uh, Irma on its current path was more deadly uh, than Hurricane Andrew, which is a Category 3 storm that killed uh, 65 people in August of 1992. Uh, But he emphasized the uh, seriousness of getting to a safe location, making it clear that 911 will stop working at some point, that first responders will not come to rescue you for 48 hours or more after the storm has come and gone. The Hurricane Center said its storm surge uh, uh, warning covers uh, Sebastian Inlet southward around the Florida Peninsula uh, to um, uh, Venice and the Florida Keys. And so it's a very wide swath. And again, the worst case scenario seems to be the path that the hurricane is currently on. Meanwhile, as the hurricane uh, is drawing closer to South Florida today, tens of thousands of drivers are heading southward to try to flee the storm, causing a traffic nightmare that continued into the evening. Uh, There was no gas and it's gridlocked. People are uh, stranded on the side of the highway, says uh, one Florida residents who left her home near Cocoa Beach about 10 a.m. with her husband and two children speaking to the Associated Press. It's 92 degrees and uh, little kids are out on the grass on the side of the road. No one can help them. So it's a desperate situation there um, in Florida as people are trying to follow the directions given to them by their governor. Also, uh, we're hearing that Hurricane Irma could create one of the largest mass evacuations in U.S. history. Now, keep in mind, this has been going on now for several days, as the governor several days back said, first of all, tourists, we ask you to leave now, and then residents the day following and up to the present. So this, uh, we may be witnessing the largest mass evacuation in U.S. history. And, of course, as the world is watching what's happening with Irma, Hurricanes Jose and Katia, they're gathering strength as well. That's Category 4. Hurricane Irma commends uh, most of the media attention this week. Two other hurricanes, Jose and Katia, have been getting strength as they threaten landfall as well. Uh, Irma has been uh, slamming the Caribbean, uh, was projected to reach Florida over the weekend, but Hurricane Jose has officially been classified a Category 4 storm, and Hurricane Katia uh, was set to slam into uh, Mexico early on Saturday as well. These three storms in this uh, Uh, in this trifecta could do some major damage all throughout that region. One interesting thing to note, drones are playing a significant and certainly a larger role in hurricane relief efforts in identifying where people are located uh, and directing the attention in places where um, vehicles or boats or, or people otherwise would not have access. So hurricane season is taking a toll. Uh, but the in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, for example, and now Hurricane Irma, the FAA issued permits to commercial drone operators to assist in a number of different functions that expedited the recovery process. So while they can be annoying and a bit frightening at times, uh, they're being used in a very constructive way right now. One of the critical ways drones are helpful is in getting the electrical grid up and running again in areas crews cannot access, either because the surrounding spaces are flooded or power lines are down. And somehow the drones are helping them in that process of restoring uh, what's going on. As I mentioned at the uh, at the beginning of this conversation, four homes have been lost in the fires that have surrounded us here in the in the Pacific Northwest. And we uh, certainly need to be in prayer for uh, our neighbors and those who live at some great distance in Houston and in Florida as they are facing and uh, in the case of Houston, have already faced very serious loss of a property, and uh, we've seen the loss of life. Uh, we certainly can continue praying for 
uh, all of those who are being dramatically affected, but we can also give generously to organizations we can trust uh, that are providing relief. Here in the in the Portland area, uh, we're being encouraged to consider local uh, outreach, but in other parts of the country, uh, consider giving generously to those who are uh, even now in Houston, beginning to return to their homes and sort through what can be salvaged, in some cases, what is unsalvageable. Well, I want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program, James Bland for Blend, rather, for engineering a portion of and producing all of today's program. And thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.